Your reading is not on the order of service uh, for two reasons. One, it's a very long passage, and I had no idea um, when Roberta needed uh, the verses what I might read. And uh, secondly, I have come to think that maybe we need trained to hear the Word of God, which we so rarely ever do anymore. So listen as I read John chapter 8, little bits and pieces as we go through the rest of this chapter. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees again. I am the light of the world, he said. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. The Pharisees said to him, now you're testifying on your own behalf. What you say proves nothing. Skipping across a number of verses. So Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are the descendants of Abraham, they answered. We have never been anybody's slaves. What do you mean then by saying you will be free? Jesus said to them, I am telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the son sets you free, then you will be really free. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're trying to kill me because you will not accept my teaching. I talk about what my father has shown me, but you do what your father has told you. They answered, our father is Abraham. If you really were Abraham's children, Jesus replied, you would do the same things that he did. All I have ever done is to tell you the truth I heard from God, yet you're trying to kill me. Abraham did nothing like this. You're doing what your father did. God himself is the only father we have, they answered, and we are his children. Further on, they asked Jesus, were we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon in you? I have no demon, Jesus answered. I honor my father, but you dishonor me. I am not seeking honor for myself, but there is one who is seeking it and who judges in my favor. I am telling you the truth. Whoever obeys my teaching will never die. They said to him, Now we are certain that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets died, yet you say that whoever obeys your teaching will never die? Our father Abraham died. Do you claim to be greater than Abraham, do you? And the prophets also died. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, If I were to honor myself, that honor would be worth nothing. The one who honors me is my father, the very one you say is your God. You've never known him, but I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he, uh, that, that he was to see the time of my coming. He saw it and was glad. They said to him, you're not even 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? I am telling you the truth, Jesus replied. Before Abraham was born, I am. Then they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and left the temple. As I pondered this passage all week and a wee bit of last week, 
certainly into this week, I couldn't help see the similarities. Bear with me and we'll bring them out. Glenn Jordan's coming to PW next week. Ask him about when Stockman went to Skenos. Thursday week ago in Skenos, in East Belfast, the Four Corners Festival had invited, <coughs> excuse me, had invited Joe Berry, <coughs> who lost her father in the Brighton bomb, to come and share her story of seeking some sort of understanding, reconciliation, call it what you will, with Patrick McGee, <coughs> one of the Brighton bombers. They both sat in the front of Skenos and shared their <coughs> fragile but um, heartwarming story of reconciliation. The morning before the event, I woke with my phone going off at 8 o'clock, didn't know the number. If you don't leave me a message and I don't know the number, I'm sorry. And then later in the day, as I heard that there had been some graffiti dubbed on the windows of Skianos, I suddenly thought, hmm, that's maybe what that phone call was about earlier. By the time we came to the early evening, um, and Hannah and I arrived at Skianos, we were aware of uh, a few people on the other side of the road looking a little bit menacing, more menacing than you would in an average uh, visit to the chip shop that they were standing outside. As we went in and had our meal, we became aware that there were certainly more people arriving um, and a lot of red, white and blue was on display. Around about ten past seven, um, Joe and Patrick and the Reverend Leslie Carl came in at the back of Skenos and suddenly at that point there was this rush of this crowd from their chip shop across the road towards the windows of Skenos. We very quickly moved back from the windows that we were eating beside because the people in the cafe were worried that those windows would be coming in. The event happened. I was concerned. I said to Father Martin, do we want to cancel this? The heat was on in Fitzroy from about uh, four o'clock in case we would have changed it. But at that stage, it was probably too late to get people to hear. And I said to Father Martin, do we really now want people to come in through this crowd? But Gary Mason and Glenn Jordan um, were convinced that we had enough of the loyalist support um, in the house, um, uh, loyalist leaders in that area, to say to continue with it that we should carry on. Some of you were uh, courageous, in fact, seemed um, quite excited that it felt like Fitzroy in the 80s, um, to, to come through um, those, those, um, that crowd and some of the abuse that was taken. There was abuse before, there was abuse after. We were front page news the next morning. It was a very fearful time. I'm still unpacking. In the room, I have never heard the stories I had the privilege of hearing, the painful privilege. Pat and Joe, one guy got up and said he came and he got the lottery and then he got the bonus ball. The lottery was probably hearing Pat and Joe's story. It's a profound thing when you hear a man saying to the girl beside him, I killed her father, and I have to live with that. It was quite emotional. And then, as soon as we went to the floor, which we were worried about because of the tension going outside, Mary Brady stood up. And Mary Brady says, my husband was killed in retaliation for the Brighton bomb. He was a milkman. She began to tell her story. Leslie took a framed photograph of her and held it in front of the audience. 
as Mary shared about her husband. She said, Patrick McGee didn't pull the trigger and she didn't carry on with the next part of the sentence. She said, I needed to be here tonight. There's a thorn in my heart. There's a thorn in my head that it never goes away. But tonight I just got a little bit of release from the thorn in my head. I had to be here tonight. Someone else stood up and said, 38 years ago tonight, I was blown up in a bar in Belfast where my best friend beside me was killed. Suddenly we realized we were in a space where people were in this cathartic way trying to deal with the pain of our past. Jim Wilson from a loyalist leader in East Belfast challenged Patrick McGee about whether he regretted what he did. I don't think he got the answer that probably Jim wanted, but there was a sense of listening in the room, a sense of respect for each other's stories in the room that never turned into that row that we get on certain radio shows in the morning or in other places in our city. What was going on in the room was very different than what was going on outside the room, but they were incredibly closely related. Shift with me, if you will. To Jerusalem and the temple. For at the end of our reading today, they picked up stones to kill him. It was as volatile, it was as tense, and there was things going on in the conversation of the listening that some people were not happy with, but inside the room, there were things happening that could bring and would bring the kingdom of God. But some were unhappy with that beginning to happen. Jesus says a couple of things here. Forgive me, when I blogged this last night, I realized I used the phrase cosmic bomb and then talk about a Brighton bomb and a bomber, and I had no intention of those being uh, so similar, but I want to use the phrase. Jesus throws out in this passage in John 8 two incredible cosmic bombs. More than two, but two that I want to think about for a moment. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm always amazed at what happens when you're preparing sermons. And as I was putting the final touches to this last night, I'm watching Shawshank Redemption out in the corner of my eye. And what happens about a third of the way in, they quote John chapter 8 and verse 12. I'm thinking, oh my word, what are we getting here? The Israelites will remember... You will remember, the people listening will remember, were guided by a pillar of light through the wilderness. At the Feast of Tabernacles that's going on right here in this part of John, they remembered this by the lighting of a golden candelabra. So as they're remembering this light that was for them and their people, and as they're doing this symbolic, uh, liturgical thing of lighting the golden candelabra, Jesus breaks into it and says, I am the light of the world. Immediately, Isaiah 9 and 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I am the light of the world. Or John's own introduction to this very gospel that we thought about a while back. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. There are two angles, it seems to me, in this light idea in the scriptures. Two ways that the light shines. 
If we go to Isaiah 42 and verse 6, it again would not have been lost in these folks in the temple. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, the people of God. I have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And another time in the Sermon on the Mount, he said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And one of the things and one of the images of this light is that we would be light to the Gentiles, that we would be light in the world that we're placed in, that we would go out to serve from where we come into this morning. The influence of Christianity and Christ and the kingdom of God on the nations. That is one of the lights. Go out and shine in the darkness. Yesterday at the Ardesh in Waxford, the Lord Mayor kept his promise. And in his speech, maybe the day before, but in his speech this weekend, he told the Sinn Féin delegates that it was not political offices that were the radical edge of what was happening in Belfast. It was in the faith communities. You are the light of the world and it has been declared at political events this weekend. Thank you for being that light. But there's another way this light shines. And I think here we might be getting to what it's about for this passage. Psalm 115. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Proverbs 6 and 23. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. The word became flesh. The word is Jesus. The word was a lamp to the feet of the individual as you go on your journey. Light as a witness and influence in the world and a light for me as I try to work out what is the secret of this human life? What is the way to live this human life? How do we fulfill our humanity that we talked about in the opening hymn and that Christine mentioned in Family Focus? What is the fulfillment of humanity? What is it to live 10-10? I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Well, if we're wanting to know what that is, I am the light of the world. And I will be that lamp to your feet. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Apologies here. Apologies for quoting Christeberg. At least it's not Lady in Red. From the first time that life could be heard to the last sounds of men on this earth, the question is always the same. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we coming from? Where are we going to? Why are we placed here? What are we supposed to do here? What is the fulfillment of our humanity? It's that question that everybody's asking. Jesus tells them here, I know where I'm from and I know where I'm going to. Now there's somebody that it's worth beginning to follow because that's the light that we need to shine into our world. If we want to know truth and freedom, then the light of Jesus is the way that we will find it. But here's the thing. Both at Skenos and in the temple, there is anger. There is rage. There is intransigence. Why is it 
that it should happen in these two places. Well, let me go back to the last illustration I discovered. One I've used here before many times, actually. Shawshank Redemption. Brooks gets out of prison after 50 years in prison. Brooks can't deal with the way the world has changed. He gets his freedom, but he's been institutionalized and takes his own life. When they're discussing this back in the prison, Red says, these walls are funny. First you hate them. Then you get used to them. And then you come to depend on them. Institutionalized. The walls that contain us. The walls that have our minds set. Those things that form us. Don't bring in to my conditioning any new ideas. I don't want any new ideas. I know who I am. Abraham's my father. I'm a Protestant. I'm a loyalist. Somebody maybe foolishly sent me the Facebook statuses that the organizers were being discussed in of the Skenos event. They're not Protestants. They don't know their Bible. There was no prayer involved in the organization of that event. And you know, I empathize. We brought for them an IRA bomber into their community. It was the point. Four Corners is all about taking us from one community into another community, doing uncomfortable things in the other community to try and cross the city. And Patrick McGee himself said a hundred times they've spoken on a stage and he thought it was all leading to that night where he got an opportunity to speak in East Belfast. But I understood. If you come from the conditioning that was going on around the place, what's going on here? Joe Berry has said that Norman Tebbett says she has betrayed her father by forgiving Not that any of the two of them would talk about what they mean by the word forgiveness because they say it's different for everybody else. But this was something new. How can we listen to reconciliation or forgiveness with those who have damaged and hurt and killed our community? That's a big ask. I understand the big ask. And so Jesus comes into the temple and says, the light of the candelabra, I'm that light. Now they've got it together, these Pharisees. They've been to theological college. I don't know whether they called it union or not, but it was theological. They got it sussed. And they knew what it is. They're the leaders of the day. And this guy's coming in to tell us something different. I can empathize. It's like a dance. It's like a whale. Less like math, less like a deal. More like a heartbreak beginning to heal. We can start over, we know forgiveness. These words are hard to hear in a world where nothing is free. And it's hard to trust in a promise that sounds too good to believe. That's the killer bit of that song for me. Because we all know about this grace. We could write essays on this grace. We could quote the verses about this grace. But it's a hard thing to take, isn't it? It's like a cosmic bomb that comes into our world and says, Really? Free? 
Unconditional. Unmerited. God loves me as I am right now, but all those other things that are going on in your mind, all those emotions that are going on in your heart. Can you accept that grace? I don't mean can you understand it. I don't mean can you theologize it. I don't mean can you doctrinize it. I don't mean can you sing about it. I don't mean can you quote me the verses. The cosmic bomb is that nothing you have on that wall of your achievement or your spirituality or your religious rights or anything else, it's all about God loving you, loving me as I Really? Free? But Steve, when we were going through that prayer, that confessional prayer, there are things there. Is it finished? Cosmic bombs. So let's not blame the Jews or the loyalists when even within our own lives, some of these things that Jesus says are very hard for us to take. And then, What does grace look like when you use grace to others the way God used grace to you? Could someone who was at the stoning of Saul, Paul, I'm sorry, the stoning of Stephen, the Saul who was at the stoning of Stephen come and pastor the church in Antioch that were really in Antioch because they fled the persecutions that Paul had created don't bring that guy to us how do we forgive in this divided community how many excuses do we set up to say no we won't how many times will we protest grace What's happening here, it seems to me, is that under the surface of a little religious division over what our identity is and whether Jesus is who he said he was or whether Abraham or all of that stuff, that's on the surface and it's genuine and it's real. As on the surface was loyalist protesters, IRA bomber. It wasn't about an IRA bomber. It was about a member of the British cabinet's daughter coming to talk about her story. Not much respect for the British cabinet across the road at the fish shop. But I empathize. But we need to understand what's going on under the surface. Because Jesus takes this into a cosmic situation. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe him. Jesus has taken this and he's saying something more under the surface and above the surface and principalities and powers is going on in this story. The light is shining and the darkness is resisting it. It is about light and dark. I believe, maybe wrongly, but I believe it with all my heart, that in that room at Skenos, light was shining in. We were talking about grace, forgiveness, reconciliation, peacemaking and shalom. And somebody needs to come and explain to me why those things would be wrong Anywhere in our city. And how they are wrong, but standing up for our identity intransigently is the right thing to be doing. But what's this all in the end about? It all comes back as this book has constantly done as we've got to the eighth chapter. And who Jesus 
is. Verily, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Oh my goodness. Did he just say that? Did he just use the I am name? That's when they lifted the stones. Because he was claiming to be the God that Moses met at the burning bush. I am who I am. Tell Pharaoh I am sent you. Let's get back really near it then. Sorry, it's been a longer service than usual. Maybe there's carnage going on behind me and there's some teachers out there saying, shut up, Steve, for goodness sake, shut up. Let me just try and get another paragraph or two in. Right at the outset of this, I just read um, N.T. Wright's book, When God Became King. Four things Wright said about the Gospels. Jesus is fulfilling the vocation of Israel. I am the light of the world. You will be a light to the nations. He sees Jesus as God's presence, the Messiah. I am the Father, one. I am, you know me, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. He sees the launch of God's renewed people. If you follow me, if you obey my commandments, you are my real disciples. And he sees the clash of the kingdoms, Caesar versus God, as they lifted stones in order to stone him. It's all happening right here in John 8. I will come back to this gospel, for sure. We haven't been able to spend enough time in it. But let's go out with this thought today, and I'll start it with a a worry that you're going to have. In the next couple of months, something's going to happen that hasn't yet happened in my ministry here. Be very frightened. You two are about to release an album. Now, I want you to be frightened about that because some of you think, oh, he's quoting you too. Bono's economic pop doctrines are quite phenomenal. And he's already released, they've already released a song which um, seemed to me to describe Skinos really rather well. There is no them, there is only us and various other things in that song which could be about the Dalits of India and that's what he's trying to get across I think. But we're not talking about that today. I was born a child of grace. Nothing else about the place. Everything was ugly but your beautiful face and it left me no illusion. I saw you in the curve of the moon, in the shadow cast across a room. You heard me in my tune when I just heard confusion. All because of you. All because of you. All because of you, I am. In the book from the album of which that's from, Bono writes the verse, I am sent you, and as a burning bush drawn into it. At the end of the tour where that album was promoted, they sang Psalm 40, All Because of You, I Am, and a commitment hymn called Yahweh. Today, in this place, Skenos, the temple, Fitzroy, and your own heart, the only way to become you is engaging with the I Am. It's frightening. You're going to have to surrender. Let me say that again because you maybe think you have. You can maybe go back to the 19th of May, about 11.35 p.m., 1979, when in your house in 31 Shandon Park, not 32 Shandon Park, where other people live in this particular church, 
you laid down your life before God and surrendered. Yeah, I did. But you see this morning, the cosmic bombs keep landing. The I am keeps speaking in. The light keeps shining into the darkness of my soul. And every day I want to resist it with my flags and my stones and my charging of the windows. Every single day. It's frightening. I'm institutionalized. The walls of Balamina, the walls of Northern Ireland Protestantism, the walls of Northern Ireland Evangelicalism, the walls of Presbyterianism have me institutionalized. And I pray, Lord, drop a cosmic bomb. Shudder the ground under my feet that I might find your truth to set me free.